Hi there, Megan Thompson with Megan Thompson Coaching. And today we're going to cover the challenges and stresses that you're having with your child if they are struggling with clothing or any sensation really. Uh, and we're gonna focus on that today. If your child is having meltdowns and losing their mind over socks, pants, shirts, tags, uh, fabrics, or the taste of food or the, the texture of things, uh, then make sure that you are sticking around because one of the things that parents are wondering about in this dynamic is whether or not your child fits the criteria for sensory processing disorder or sensory processing sensitivity. Now, SPS, the last one I just mentioned, is the highly sensitive personality trait, a temperament type. We're gonna be teasing those two apart today and speaking about how they can be intertwined as well. So, let's get started. Hello, and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children? Stop walking on eggshells and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you want to know the answer, you're in the right place. All right, so here at MTC, we help parents of highly sensitive kids eliminate the daily meltdown, shutdown, refusal cycle. And we do that with parents in as little as eight weeks. That means if your child is hitting, kicking, screaming, losing their mind, their body's on the floor, and this is happening daily, even multiple times a day, you can follow our strategies and break out of this pattern and stop those daily meltdowns in as little as eight weeks. And so the challenges that we see often for our clients is, uh, you know, is the confusion related to whether or not your child has a mental health need or whether or not your child has a temperament type need. And we're gonna be covering that related to sensory needs today. Uh, so sensations, the five senses, right? Um, smelling, uh, I have to count. <laughs> smelling, tasting, touching, hearing, uh, seeing, okay? And a highly sensitive kids can be overwhelmed by those sensations, any one or all or multiple. And a lot of times we hear parents uh, see their children struggle and report that their children are struggling, especially related to clothing. So we've helped parents whose kids uh, just would never wear underwear before. And, and we've helped parents whose kids won't wear certain particular kinds of socks. Uh, we've helped parents who, whose children will struggle with um, putting on the school uniform, wearing stiff khakis, etc. And so we're gonna we're gonna be covering this today. If your child seems to be struggling so much so that they're going into a meltdown or they're getting aggressive, uh, screaming, yelling, or sh completely shutting down, having some sort of icicle uh, closed off response, then you want to make sure that you're you're paying attention today because this is what we're talking about. Um, this can be happening for children as young as two, okay, or even younger, 
We can have uh, parents of sensitive kids report that the types of diapers needed to be shifted because their kiddo was, um, you know, needed the softest type of diaper, the softest type of clothing. And, um, and then as children age, we see parents report that there's, you know, at times we, you know, one thing I like to call is the highly sensitive uniform, highly sensitive boy uniform can be part of uh, the Under Armour collection, a lot of uh, active wear, gym clothing, and, and um, that can be useful for young children, right? Uh, to just have a t certain type of clothing that you know your kid likes. And it's also true that your child can't always wear active wear, right? Um, you know, if I had it my way, I'd be wearing active wear all day, every day too. Uh, and it's also true that, that some of you might not take me very seriously if I showed up to work in a zip up every day. So it's important for your sensitive kid to be able to tolerate different fabrics, to be able to present themselves according to what's more appropriate in different scenarios, like going to church or going to school in um, you know, a school that requires a uniform or going to any sort of other formal event um, that your child might need to participate, on and participate in where wearing uh, active wear is just not appropriate. And then obviously, uh, in, in, in colder weather, wearing socks in, um, you know, settings outside of the home, wearing undergarments is more appropriate. And so I think about that related to the highly sensitive personality trait, uh, which is our specialty here at MTC and how that combines with sensory processing disorder. And, uh, we also serve families whose children meet both criteria. So I'm going to be talking about this today. So you have clarity on understanding how your kid fits the trait if they would qualify for a sensory processing disorder diagnosis or would need an evaluation for that as well and uh, to, to, to confirm it. And then what actually helps to break out of the meltdown cycle. So I know I've mentioned the meltdown behavior, okay, but I think it's also important to notice that this type of, of experience can be extremely overwhelming for your sensitive kid. And it's really important that you are paying attention to that, right? Because you know, as I just mentioned, uh, that children need to be able to dress in weather appropriate clothing. They need to be able to dress in uh, situation appropriate clothing. And you could be struggling, especially if your child is struggling with this, um, you know, suffering from, from the intensity of the sensation. Uh, you could be struggling with how to help your child actually wear the things that you need to, uh, to get them to wear. And so uh, many parents can wonder whether or not their child is just blowing this experience out of proportion, right? Uh, you might think maybe my kid just doesn't want to wear those socks. They happen to have particular socks they love and those socks are in the wash. And so they're just quote unquote throwing a fit, right? We can hear this from parents um, wondering, is my kid just blowing this out of proportion because their favorite socks are, are just not available? And is my kid giving me a hard time or just not um, not wanting to go to school and making it a big deal related to, to uh, clothing, okay? And I wanna talk about what it looks like for a child with sensory needs and sensory intensity uh, and sensory sensitivity compared to somebody who is just uncomfortable. So uh, you and I, if you're not highly sensitive, might be able to identify with discomfort. We might wear a wool sweater and feel like, depending on the kind of wool it is, right, it, it could be very itchy. We might not want to wear it unless we're going skiing or snowboarding or snowshoeing or in a blizzard, right? And we realize we have to wear it, so we better put something underneath it to make it less itchy. 
So we can tolerate that wool sweater. We can um, acknowledge that while it's uncomfortable and while we don't really want it to touch our bare skin, we can figure out a way around that. We can let it touch our bare skin for a little while while we're pulling it over our heads, um, while it touches just the, the you know, the, the um, part of our, our wrist in between uh, when, when the undershirt gets a little too short or whatever get, gets rumpled underneath the sweater. We can twitch and, and stretch and, and move our, our body in a different way um, when, when it touches our skin and we can adjust, all right? That is the concept of a, uh, of a non-highly sensitive person tolerating an uncomfortable sensation, okay, like myself. Now, I will tell you that as a child, had stronger uh, feelings about different things and and told my mom you know there was a there was a fad in the 90s uh, uh, if anybody remembers uh, stirrup pants right um, they were these leggings that had the strap underneath the heel um, to keep the pants on I guess I don't really know they were <laughs> they were called stirrup pants um, it was a it was a, a trend for girls clothing I think it was like sixth or seventh grade for me at that, that point maybe fifth grade I don't remember but um, they were all the rage. And so my mom just, you know, it was just what was available. My mom brought them home and I just could not tolerate the strap underneath my foot uh, in between my, you know, um, sock and my shoe. And so I would try to like untuck it. And, but that would be, feel funny because it would get stuck behind my heel. And finally, I just shared with my mom, I, I can't wear these pants. They are so uncomfortable. I don't like them. Please don't make me wear them. And... Um, that was the experience that I said because, you know, I grew up in a home where um, parents knew best, right? It was traditional parenting where it was, uh, you know, you need to listen to your parents and do exactly as they say. And if you disagree, then um, you can only do that uh, silently or, um, you know, with, with very little fuss. And um, if you communicated with fervor or passion or frustration, then you were quote unquote disobeying your parents, you were being disrespectful and, um, and then parents would, my parents would more likely, were more likely to say, no, I was, you know, I had to do what they asked, what they were asking of me. And, uh, that's all just because my parents learned from their parents and they just didn't understand what research tells us today and what research tells us from even the 1990s and beyond about child development and how children build healthy, safe, trusting relationships with their parents. Because if my parents had noticed or, or known or had been educated on these strategies, they say all the time, uh, they wish that what I teach to parents now, they had available to them when they were raising um, their kids, myself, my sister, my younger brother. And um, they speak to that because my sister significantly struggled. So I had an uncomfortable experience with those um, with those stirrups. You, you might have had uh, a similar scenario. There might have been some stiffer flannel shirts that you uh, were expected to wear or, you know, black denim jeans or, or, you know, colored denim jeans when they were all the rage when we were, when, you know, those of my generation were growing up. And those might have been stiffer, or itchier, and less comfortable. But you wore them because maybe they were in fashion or it's just what you had and um, you wanted to fit in. So you put up with it, right? Now, in that scenario, that experience wasn't so overwhelming. The touch of those clothes weren't, wasn't so overwhelming that you could not feel capable of moving on with your day because perhaps you're either not highly sensitive or this physical sensation does not contribute to a lot of overwhelm for you. Now, 
let's think about your child. And I'm going to use an example of my sister in this dynamic. So you know, many of you who have been listening to our show for uh, for as for longer than today, and if this is your first time, I'm just going to share a little bit about the fact that my sister is highly sensitive, and one of the reasons why I I am uh, put on this earth to to work with with this population of families who are stuck in the meltdown cycle is because I witnessed the aftermath firsthand of parents who are stuck using a tr more traditional parenting uh, tactics. And so uh, I remember vividly the meltdowns that my sister would have related to the seams in socks and how it seemed as if she was, you know, um, like her toenails were being ripped out of her feet. And I know that's a pretty graphic um, uh, visual, but the amount of intensity that she would scream and cry about wearing seams in her socks and having them not be like right. All she could communicate was that it wasn't right. It didn't fit right. It didn't feel right. It didn't, uh, she couldn't wear them. Um, she wasn't very articulate at that age, six, seven, eight, about that intensity because A, it was super overwhelming and B, she was young, right? And so being able to see this from just being two years older than her, uh, my initial impression was similar to my mom's. That was, you know, why is this such a big deal? It is not, you know, it's just a sock. It's, you know, you're fine. You're, it's not hurting you. It's not, there's no, um, uh, you know, pins and needles in there. There's, there's, there's no staples left in the sock or, you know, tag pieces left in the sock or anything like that. It's simply a sock. But to my sister, it was as if she had pins and needles in her feet. It was the sensation of um, that, that tickle of, of the seam of, of it being pressing up against her foot in between her foot and her shoe was so unbearably overwhelming that she couldn't concentrate on anything else. And it confused her brain in that moment. It was overwhelming to the point where her brain couldn't make sense of that emotional experience of that sensation, excuse me, that physical sensation experience. And because of that, she was so overwhelmed that she would cry, that she would yell, that she would scream about it, particularly because my parents didn't understand, my mom specifically, because my mom was um, the one who was, who was getting us ready in the morning, but more particularly, just didn't get that this was that big of a deal for her. And so there was a lot of invalidation, a lot of reassurance going on in this dynamic that she was going to be okay, that she could figure it out, right? And, and um, that she was making mountains out of molehills. And so I think this is really important for you as a parent to be listening to because when your child is struggling with that level of intensity, it can be easy to jump to the conclusion that they're not, uh, that there's another reason why they're telling you that this is too much, that there must be something else they're trying to avoid, that there must be something else that they, um, uh, that they that they want, whether that be attention or um, they are trying to you know skip out of school or delay school, they might be you might jump to the conclusion that your child is overwhelmed with um, with the routine, things like that. And it's important to notice that physical sensation can be so overwhelming to a child that they can't articulate more than just what my sister was was trying to communicate. And I will tell you that without skills. Uh, that that particular need carries on through adulthood. I know particularly for my for my sister, but also in working with adolescents, working with uh, parents of sensitive kids who happen to be sensitive themselves. Uh, there are particular sensations that high, highly sensitive adults don't tolerate, won't tolerate, and can't tolerate 
because they were never built this they never built the skill in childhood or even um in in learning what we teach to to break out of this pattern um that it's okay to have physical um to have sensations that are um a little uncomfortable and have them not grow to the point of overwhelm in that response and um or a lot uncomfortable and have that not uh grow into a place where where you feel completely overwhelmed your brain is is feeling like it's on fire in that experience now i'm going to speak about this more related to the difference between sensory processing sensitivity okay that's uh the highly sensitive personality trait and then uh, sensory processing disorder so sensory processing disorder is when the body is taking in information about sensations, uh, like I said, eating um, to, in terms of taste, um, smell, uh, sight, or um, touch, or hearing, and that information of what the sound sounds like, of the tone, of the, um, uh, the, the, the level of passion, the um, intensity, the frequency of pace, anything like that, any information related to a sound, any information related to, to, um, to a physical sensation, like, um, the, the difference between the hard seam and the soft, uh, part of the fabric, all that's information the brain takes in. Okay. And if the brain is taking in that information and not able to categorize it, okay, not able to separate out this part feels soft, this part feels hard, this part feels stiff, this part feels um, uh, pinchy, right? Um, then the brain is just going to take that information and feel like it's being dumped on. Um, and as a result, it's difficult to put it into neat little categories, right? Organize it. And that leads to an overwhelm experience, okay? So uh, sensory processing disorder is when the brain needs to be taught how to categorize that experience and uh, needs to learn. And, and often um, I've heard, you know, our OT colleagues and even the OT on our team uh, compare it to a sense of confusion in the brain. The brain doesn't know what to do with that information and uh, isn't able to sort it. And so basically is, is at a full stop, you know, a hard um, can't don't know what to do with this information. It feels like gobbledygook. Okay. And, um, that can be retrained, right? The brain can learn, uh, the brain, the brain is very plastic. It's, it's capable of learning and it's a different approach when your child has sensory processing disorder, there needs to be much more regimented, um, information, um, provided to the brain. So the brain can start to learn to sort that information in the brain effectively compared to a highly sensitive child with the temperament type where they're uh, sensations are overwhelmed, but if they are calm and they are feeling well-resourced, perhaps well-rested, well-supported, they have time to get it curious about the sensation and, and they feel capable of managing that, that sensation, then all of those um, experiences can be helpful in the child digesting the sensation of, say, like we're using this example with my sister, the seam on the sock, okay? So what's important is for you as a parent is not to just go buy seamless socks, right? Your child needs to learn how to regulate their emotions, regulate the sensations in their body, decrease them, take them from 10 to zero, okay? 10 to two, <laughs> um, feel the sensation, feel it uncomfortable, and then feel capable of moving on because they might not be able to find seamless socks everywhere. You might not be able to house only seamless socks in your house, right? If your child wants to play soccer, it's going to be harder to find soccer socks that are seamless, etc. 
And so your child's going, or baseball, whatever, right? Football, you got to wear those high knee socks. They don't make, always make um, uniform regulated regulation socks um, that are seamless. And so in these circumstances, your child will need to tolerate that information that's overwhelming in their brain enough to follow through on keeping the sock on. And when that's happening, if your child doesn't have that skill or your child isn't exposed to the need for that skill, then it can actually contribute to the intensity when uh, they don't seem to have a choice. Because when you don't feel like you have a choice, you can feel trapped. And when you feel trapped, you respond in fear. Now, human beings need choices. They need to feel like they have a direction, but also that they can make a choice in that matter. And highly sensitive kids who don't have skills often feel helpless, like life is happening to them. And in that dynamic, uh, if you tell your child they have a choice and they don't have the skill to identify they have a choice to wear different socks or that uh, they don't have to, you know, f- uh, feel overwhelmed, that they can look at the sock and realize it's not physically harming them, that feels incredibly invalidating, but it also feels like gobbledygook again. So in that situation, your child not only feels um, invalidated, but also misunderstood. Like you literally don't get what they're talking about. And it's really important for you as a parent to understand that a highly sensitive child who's well-resourced, who can, who has these skills, who feels heard and understood, who knows how to, uh, how to handle challenge, uh, a challenge as quote unquote, seemingly simple as the seam on a sock, no pun intended, um, is, it needs, you know, is able to, to wear those, those socks with mental preparation, emotional preparation, and physical preparation to tolerate the, the socks, just like I mentioned before, you know, um, being able to recognize, I really want to go outside um, in the, the blizzarding weather to go ski, for example. And so therefore, I will tolerate this wool sweater for X amount of hours on this one weekend, right? Um, and uh, the, you're expecting this of your child if they don't have the skills and they can feel totally overwhelmed by that. And it can be very difficult to tease out the difference between high, uh, sensation issue that is related to temperament compared to a sensation issue that's related to uh, disordered um, process, which um, most people are, are now referring to as neurodivergent thinking and um, a, a different way of thinking about the, the world, a different way of experiencing the world. Now, it's also important to understand that neurodivergent people, people who fit the criteria for sensory processing disorder, uh, don't need to tolerate those experiences. They can learn how to, um, how to adapt without, um, without ever wearing socks with these seams again, right? You have a choice there um, to, to raise your children in that dynamic, or you can help your children build skills to tolerate and advocate for their needs to do that in an effective way. And that's where um, the sensory processing disorder support can come into play. Now, for sensory processing sensitivity and related to supporting your child um, without them fitting the criteria of this uh, major explosion every single time, right? Perhaps your child is, um, you, you're able to notice that the pattern is when your child is not well resourced, if they are cranky, if they are struggling significantly emotionally, if they've had hard days or they've had, um, you know, things just weren't going the way that they want, wanted it to or, or uh, any, any sort of, um, uh, frustration for that matter, then your child might struggle with socks that they were fine wearing yesterday, right? And that's more, uh, explain, um, that's a better example of what's going on for highly sensitive kids compared to sensory processing disorder because highly sensitive kids 
are much more uh, susceptible to their environment than non-highly sensitive kids. And so when their environment is chaotic or frustrating in their mind and their own perception, um, then they are much less skillful and uh, much less capable of accessing skills if you're, if you're not available to teach them how to generalize skills through challenge as a parent. So that's really important to, to pay attention to the difference. So when we think about what's, what's, um, what needs to be broken down in terms of supporting your sensitive kid, your sensitive kid can learn to tolerate these uh, socks, to, you know, to be okay with them, to organize the sensation in their brain. And that requires a child to persist through challenge, right? If the challenge is I feel tired and I need to wear these socks, uh, then your child needs to be able to have emotion regulation skills to do that. They need to be able to calm the emotion in their mind and their body and uh, feel capable of solving problems by asking for different things. Maybe they choose different shoes. Maybe they choose, maybe they notice that their shoes are actually what's too tight and it's not the socks, right? Um, being able to notice that, you have to be calm enough to notice that. Uh, being able to notice that is a skill. So when we think about um, breaking out of this pattern and what it takes to break out of this pattern, whether that be meltdowns related to socks or inconsistent patterns uh, where your child is having outbursts and refusing to wear different uh, items of clothing because of, uh, because of this challenge, but in other situations or when there's a circumstance where they really want to go somewhere, um, then those socks don't seem to bother them then uh, that means that you're much more likely to be uh, working you know, in parenting a highly sensitive child rather than a child with sensory processing disorder because sensory processing disorder uh, is more pervasive. The symptoms are more pervasive. Uh, they're not situation specific. And so um, parents are, are struggling with this issue no matter what the, you know, is, is on the kiddo's agenda for that day or what's already happened in that, in that day. So when we think about being able to, um, to parse this out, right, you need to be in, assured that for you, um, you're clear that emotion is what's triggering, triggering the response rather than sensation, okay? Um, and so if they are able to, to use the coping skills that you've already taught them, then you can use the same skills related to that sensation, even if it's a sensation. Uh, that you notice is the trigger. And if that's the case, then great, problem solved, right? Uh, what we see for kids who are highly sensitive and also stuck in the meltdown cycle is that this problem becomes much more uh, complicated, okay? So not all highly sensitive kids are stuck in the meltdown cycle. If you are parenting a highly sensitive kid and your child is not having daily meltdowns, not having meltdowns daily uh, or multiple times a week, um, or even multiple times a day, then you're raising a highly sensitive child who's, who, and, and they're not shutting down instead or um, saying life would be better off without them, right? That's the, the same side of the, of, a, of the, that's the opposite side of the same coin, shutting down versus exploding, um, same coin, different side. But if your child's not struggling in either of these ways, then it's likely you're just listening to the show uh, to prevent or to stay on top of it, right? And that's fine, right? So these, these strategies, these, um, you know, talking points, tips that I share on the show are likely to be just enough for you to move the needle, uh, for you to break out of any sort of budding pattern. And if you're struggling at a deeper level, if your child's having multiple meltdowns a day, it's time to pay attention to whether or not trying to solve this on your own is really actually getting, uh, getting yourself to that outcome. Because uh, there are multifaceted 
steps that you need to be taking to break out of this pattern when it gets to that point. And some children who are highly sensitive are much more prone to that. They might be um, higher on the scale of high sensitivity or the environment isn't set up in a way that is helpful for them to learn and grow and be flexible on their own in a way that might seem like it's temperament specific. You know, your kid is just able to do that. Um, but what's really going on is, is perhaps that parents are, are able to build or demonstrate skills that, um, that are helping, helping that along. So when we think about breaking out of this pattern, you've heard, you've might've heard me say before, but the biggest, um, components of stopping the meltdown cycle are fourfold. So you have to be able to, uh, notice what you are bringing to the table as a parent, right? And you've heard perhaps, uh, families whom we've interviewed before, of uh, the, the, the biggest challenge that most parents don't notice in this experience of breaking out of the meltdown cycle is how much of an impact you as a parent have on your child's mood, on your child's skill set, on your child's um, emotional presentation, okay? So it's really important that you look at your child from inside the snow globe of you as your parenting, um, as you setting up the parenting environment. Your child lives inside, I like to explain this to our clients, that um, you are the creator of the Truman Show of your child's uh, life experiences. So you might've heard me say this before, or maybe I'm dating myself. And if you've never seen the movie, it's a Jim Carrey movie where, um, spoiler alert. So go ahead and fast forward for a couple of seconds. If you don't, if you want to watch the movie, but, um, he was, uh, it was, it was, I think it was, I don't know when, when it was put out, but it's, it's an older movie. And, um, he, he was raised on a show, like a TV show and he doesn't know it. Okay. Um, and that's one of the things that highly sensitive kids need to, um, how highly sensitive kids need to, to learn is through their parents' conduction, production of skill building, specific and strategic skill building. And so if you are a, the parent of a highly sensitive kid, your, your HSC doesn't need to know that they're highly sensitive. You don't have to teach them directly that they're highly sensitive just yet or, or um, you know, until they, they get older. Uh, you can just teach them different skills and support them in regulating their emotions in particular ways. Those ways have to be playful. They have to be um, through a lens of you not feeling like your child is fragile or quote unquote different. I mean, one out of every five, that's not different. That's just part of the population. 20% of the population is, um, is a pretty big number when you, when you compare, uh, you know, other sort of um, particular particularities with, with people, right? Um, one out of every five means most family members have one highly sensitive um, person because the average American family is, um, you know, two, two, two parents and, and two and a half kids, right? So that's about five. <laughs> so um, when we think about being able to, um, you know, to parse this out as a parent, the understanding for your child that they are already noticing that they are struggling differently than their peers um, is something that you need to to hold um, at the forefront of your mind where you're not creating a situation where your child is different and therefore less than different and therefore um, you know particularly unique and that means that that uh, typical 
systematic strategies can't be effective for them, that they must have something bigger that's wrong with them, or that they're, they're broken, or like I said before, fragile. All right, all of those perspectives, those assumptions of your child will keep your child stuck. They will cloud your ability to see when your child is learning, when your child is, is changing um, what's what their initial skill set or their initial reaction is. It will be very difficult to notice how you're moving the needle as a parent, and that obviously will affect your stamina. It might not be easy, right, to be playful if you're feeling like your kid is not responding well to that, if you're not able to see how your child is taking in um, different parenting tactics, if you're not following a parenting strategy. And so the, the strategy includes being able to share how your child can change their environment, how your child can change the way that they ask for what they need, how they can share with you um, that they're frustrated or stuck or upset or overwhelmed in safe ways. And the best way for children to learn that is through play, okay? So you need to be able to playfully communicate that with your child. You need to be able to um, support your child in practicing uh, different, different ways to tolerate discomfort and uh, do that in a way that doesn't add shame to the equation, right? So um, when your child is struggling, um, reminding them that they've done this before can actually induce shame. Highly sensitive kids, if they are not perfect, you know, if they want to do things right the first time, uh, they can really struggle with feedback that they've been able to do this before and, um, and that they should be able to do it before, like now, right? So if you're using any sort of language like should or we've done, you know, come on now, um, this isn't that big of a deal. Those kinds of phrases are actually uh, much more likely to highlight a shame response for a sensitive kid. And highly sensitive people are more prone to shame if they don't have skills to regulate their emotions. So it's important that you start early in noticing how you're, you're setting limits with your child. So if you're setting limits as, you know, this isn't that big of a deal, my way or the highway, we, you know, these are the socks you have, you're gonna have to suck it up then there's a negative experience that the child has in your limit setting and that intolerance um, experience that your child has they're, they're not able to tolerate that sensation like we're going back to the socks here uh, can feel quite disconnected when a child feels disconnected from their parent they feel disconnected from possibility they feel disconnected from um, from their world because as a child, your parents are your world. They are literally your means of survival. So um, it's incredibly important that children feel connected to their parents and feel capable of getting their needs met through their parents. And the best way to do that is to support your children with natural consequences, help them notice how you can solve problems, um, that they can tolerate discomfort in paced ways, and uh, that they can grow through discomfort because um, children who stay stuck are actually going to continue to shrink in I can't, I can't, I can't, I couldn't do this, so then I can't do this next thing either. And that creates a situation where uh, your child is actually um, reducing what they used to be able to do uh, flexibly because they start to think of themselves as, as, as somebody who uh, struggles with, uh, with growing, with, um, with developing. Um, and... Uh, Again, this goes back to your own perspective. If you believe that your child struggles with growing, with developing, that then it will be really hard to um, persist when your child starts to throw their hands up and quit, um, because you know you'll you, it'll be hard for you to hold stamina. 
And this is where troubleshooting and accountability comes into play. Working with a professional that supports your child and you in persisting through challenge in a paced way is incredibly important for highly sensitive kids. Highly sensitive kids are much more receptive to parents who feel resourced, who feel supported, who feel like they can handle challenges no matter how they come out um, and, and which way they look today versus tomorrow. And as a parent, you deserve that support as well. You deserve to feel like you have a direction, you deserve to feel like you have somebody in your corner because you are parenting a child who, though uh, a minority of the, of, of, um, of the population, you know, one in every 20, um, it, there's still plenty of children who are just like your kid. Uh, but in this dynamic, we see so frequently parents whose kids are stuck in the meltdown cycle. So again, this is not every highly sensitive kid. So it's a portion of the 20% of the population are stuck in the meltdown cycle. And that can be extremely isolating for you as a parent. All right. And so, like I said before, um, you need to be able to be playful, right? But if you feel like there's no way out of that hole, um, uh, you know, you don't have anybody in your local community that you can relate to, or you're just telling your story to one person, um, and that person seems is a, is a professional um, who is telling you they can help you, but you have no other reference points of how they've helped other people besides that professional's uh, pr story or that professional certainty that they can help you, then that in and of itself can, can highlight and, and continue to isolate you in, in that dynamic. So this is why uh, working with professionals who do more group setting support um, can be much more effective. And that's one of the things that we employ here at MTC because we see so many times parents whose kids are stuck in the meltdown cycle need to be able to notice that when employing the strategies that are, are necessary to break out of this, the cycle works for other children, then parents are able to keep it going and, and uh, continue to persist even if it feels too hard or if it feels too complicated uh, to keep on going. And um, that, that in and of itself, feeling like you're unique enough for solutions to not work for you uh, is actually a symptom of the meltdown cycle uh, as well. It's, it's a symptom to um, additionally isolate to, you know, to overcomplicate the matter more. So when you think about being able to break out of this sen sensational experience um, for your child and for you, um, it is important to make sure that you're working with somebody who knows what they're doing, who's seen this pattern before, who can help parents whose kids have sensation struggles or who have taste struggles or who have, um, you know, sight issues like with brightness and, and um, intensity that way, or children who struggle with loud noises or particular kinds of sounds like chewing, etc. And um, that is able to identify the root cause, which is that sense of overwhelm and breaking out of that pattern particularly. And that's, uh, that requires somebody who's solved this problem before in various, various avenues, okay? So you need to be able to work with somebody who knows what they're doing in that respect. Um, I speak about this because tolerating that discomfort um, and being told to, to suck it up is not an effective way to solve the problem for uh, non-highly sensitive people, let alone sensitive people. You know, eventually um, uh, a child can can get so much 
gets to such big overwhelm that they only end up having, you know, two or three outfits that they can tolerate, right? But children are growing, so they won't be able to tolerate, they won't be able to experience that for very long, no matter how often you do with the laundry, right? Uh, your child is going to grow out of those favorite clothes. Your child needs to be able to tolerate more than one outfit. Um, you need to be able to tolerate, <laughs> I need to be able to experience them tolerating more than one outfit so you're not doing the laundry so frequently. Even if you teach your kid the laundry, right? It, it's You're gonna run out of soap and uh, much faster. You're gonna end up um, wasting money in, in various uh, ways, whether that be through the, the water bill or the soap bill or the clothing bill of clothing just sitting in, in unused drawers, right? As well as the time bill. I mean, the amount of time spent on just tolerating this problem um, and moving and navigating around it is stressful in and of itself. So when we think about uh, the challenges of, of breaking out of this, again, we, we need to be able to summarize what we're covering here. First and foremost, you need to, to identify what you're putting up with. What are you tolerating in terms of your belief of what your kid's capable of um, because you don't have a strategy, because you don't have the ability to um, to see the forest for the trees in this situation. Two, how are you playfully helping your child stretch out of their comfort zone? How are you communicating that, uh, that there's nothing wrong with them as they are navigating through this sensation overwhelm? You need to be able to understand the difference between sensory processing sensitivity and sensory processing disorder so that your child is in the right place and is seeking the right support uh, and, and you're not chronically uh, adding to that invalidation uh, when it is a true brain organizational issue. And then you need to be able to uh, break out of shame in other ways as well. Um, set limits in, um, in their other behavioral issues in a safe and effective way so that your child feels capable because they will be able to generalize this across uh, various different um, uh, means. And in being able to feel capable with socks helps them feel capable with, um, with homework, helps them feel capable with friendships, etc. if you're following more of a systematic approach to break out of a, um, of a frustrating experience rather than just treating these like isolating incidents. What you're doing is, is working on your child's self-concept and your child's self-esteem simultaneously uh, in, in addressing their ability to handle challenge rather than just addressing their ability to handle challenge and then looking at whether or not they see themselves as capable um, as two separate issues. All right, so all of that is, as we've mentioned before, much more effectively managed um, and, and faster managed when you have experts in your corner. So if you need support in doing that, if you want our help to do that, then I encourage you to go ahead and book a call. Have a conversation with our team members. Um, one, a member of our team will discuss with you where you're struggling, whether or not your child's needs are much more pervasive than just related to sensation. If that's the case, then what we do could be a fit. And if, that's, um, and if that's the case, then we will talk about what your goals are, whether or not your family is stuck in other avenues, uh, if the whole family dynamic is impacted, and, if that, and, and um, knowing, knowing that, that this is something that we can support you in, in solving, then we'll share with you on the same conversation how to get started with us right away, how to break out of this pattern effectively, and uh, how to handle this moving forward. Now, if your goals are different or if your child's needs are um, more of, of, a, of an SPD uh, 
category or something else that perhaps the meltdowns are caused not by the highly sensitive personality trait, but other uh, personal environmental experiences, then we will point you in that direction instead. We'll help you identify what type of therapy is more appropriate uh, because your child might not be stuck in a meltdown cycle due to the highly sensitive trait. And in that case, then therapy is, is more indicated as a, a means of a better approach or um, you know, getting yourself support as a parent, depending on the needs, might be more indicated as well. So, and in any case, when you speak with our team, you will leave with that plan, you will leave with, with the direct steps, or you will leave with uh, support in your corner right away as well, different options in that, in that conversation. And uh, you'll be able to notice how to feel empowered as a parent, but also how to support your child with particularly direct steps. And uh, we are happy to have that conversation with you. Um, and uh, we look forward to speaking with you soon and have a good day. Thank you for joining me on this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen, what your goals are for supporting your child's development. And if we can help you, we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle. Eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. And we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So. To see if we can help you do the same, head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call. I'm Megan Thompson, and we look forward to speaking to you soon.